my name is Kate Bubar, and I'm a graduate student in applied math and the IQ biology program. Perfect. So why should older adults be towards the front of the vaccine line? So in general, when you're thinking about how to distribute vaccines, there's really two approaches that you can take. The first option is maybe kind of the the first one that you might think of is to directly protect those who are the most vulnerable. So in this case, it is those older adults. But there is a second strategy that sometimes we can take, and that approach is to instead of prioritizing um, directly those who are the most vulnerable, instead breaking up transmission chains, and so indirectly protecting the rest of the community. And so that would be focusing on younger adults or those who are doing the most spread. But we have found that for COVID-19, for most scenarios across our model, um, that going with that first option to directly protect older adults is the best way to minimize mortality. Um, Any other recommendations about the distribution of the vaccine or anything you would do differently or the same? So, um, Our model has looked at how to distribute it by age, and this is taking into account um, different infection fatality rates by age and how people are um, susceptibility changes by age. But another really important aspect that we know that we should take into account is um, that there's wide disparities by race and ethnicity. And so if infection fatality rate, um, since it does vary so much across different minority groups, then that is an option to consider because um, they have, they're they're so much more vulnerable to COVID-19. And and we've seen that in in the data. All right. And then from the article, there was um, a quote that stood out. It says, different strategies worked better or worse on local circumstances, but a few key findings jumped out. Um, What were some of those key findings? So, or wait, sorry, can you repeat the question? (laughs) Oh, yes. Um, So the quote said, different strategies worked better or worse on local circumstances, but a few key findings jumped out. What were some of those key findings? So one thing that we found is that if seroprevalence is high in an area, so if a lot of people have already been infected and they have antibodies against COVID-19, that one way we can kind of get more bang for our buck with the vaccines that we have is to prioritize those who are seronegative, so people who have not been infected before. Um, And this logistically is complicated to implement because it would mean you need to kind of pair a serological test with vaccination. Um, But we have shown that it can really make a big difference, especially if seroprevalence is higher. And so that's kind of one of the main takeaways and thinking about kind of when would this be useful or um, should we maybe consider this in the future, even if it's not going to work right now. And then my next question would be, how do local circumstances affect the effectiveness of these strategies? So one thing that we looked into in the paper is how different vaccine strategies um, change in different countries. And so this takes into account both the makeup of the demographic, so how many, um, like what is the age distribution, and then also, so how do people um, 
mix with other people? Is, is that at work or at home? And kind of what are, who on average do you contact the most? Um, and so this can affect local, local circumstances depending on kind of how many contacts are your older adults having? Um, if they're the ones who are vulnerable, are they living with other people? Are there multi-generational households? Um, or if they're kind of maybe more isolated, then it, it might be easier to kind of break transmission chains to that group. And so we could do a better job of protecting them. And so that's where really understanding what's going on at a local level um, affects kind of how, how well these different priorities prioritization strategies are gonna play out. And then obviously this was a big model that you guys did. So with this models, are there any other scenarios that you have seen? Like play out in the real world? Uh, yes, just like other scenarios that you've kind of looked at with it and like what other things could have happened, you know? Um, yeah, so we, so, is we don't take into account occupation in our model, which is how a lot of states have been talking about um, vaccine prioritization after healthcare workers and kind of some, most states are starting with maybe the oldest adults and then also including teachers or other um, essential workers. And so we haven't explicitly taken that into account um, because we don't have the data to go off of for occupations, um, just when thinking about how to incorporate it into a model. But there are certainly areas, um, like I think Israel has done a good job of kind of using the age gradient to distribute vaccines. And we've seen that they have been successful at having an, an efficient rollout and just being on top of using the supplies they have. Yes, and then obviously this has been a big model that you've worked with and with COVID-19, it's a really big thing that everyone's looking at but what other structures have you modeled in the past and can you elaborate on one of them? Just like my own work, not related to COVID-19? Yeah, just the other structures that you've done like maybe last year or anything like that. Um, yeah, so a previous project that I've worked on is just trying to understand kind of the, the biological parameters for different infectious diseases so that we can understand if there is an outbreak that occurs, what can we expect, expect for transmission um, and what is the best way to stop the spread? And so I've looked at Marburg virus and Ebola virus in the past and they are very different from the way that COVID-19 spreads and we want to understand kind of how to take that into account with our models um, so that we can be effective when we're trying to allocate resources or educate the public, um, that kind of thing. And then what is your number one best advice that you would say for CU students or just anyone in general to do? Related to COVID-19? Yes. Yeah. Um, I would say that it has certainly been very difficult to kind of stick with all of the public health guidance. It's been a very long time and I know people are uh, becoming frustrated with it or it's just kind of wearing on you but really sticking with all of the advice that we've heard so social distancing wearing masks there's more information coming out now about double masking um, at least in crowded places like the grocery store and if we stick with these things then we really can just um, flatten the curve like everyone's been talking about and we 
every, I think everyone's kind of hitting the point where they want to get back to normal life. Um, and with vaccines here and currently being rolled out, it can feel like we're really close. We just need a few more months. Um, and really sticking with these public health guidelines will help so much alongside with vaccines. Well, that's all the questions I have. Thank you so much for your time. I know it's been kind of crazy for everyone and thank you so much for being able to talk to us. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs>